Okay, hello and welcome to the Daily Bible Reading Show. Uh, I haven't done this for a while because um, I've been lazy and I've been recycling all my old episodes. So if you watch on Instagram, uh, me reading this on, um, on Instagram, it's usually something I did a year ago. Uh, but I really want to look at today's passage because actually I looked at this passage yesterday. Uh, I was on this course on Zoom. I logged into a Bible college in Malaysia and they looked at this exact same passage. So I'm very intrigued and also wondering whether God wants me to learn something from this. So the passage I'm going to look at is 1 Samuel chapter 19. By the way, there's the other people. I, I, won't, I won't show that, but other people in the room. So it's very awkward. <laughs> uh, I have my auntie staying here and a friend staying here. So, so I'm not alone uh, as I usually am when I do these shows. But um, yeah, just, just know that it's very awkward for me to do this now. Anyway, the passage I'm going to look at is 1 Samuel chapter 19 and it's about, how do I summarize this? It's about uh, Saul, who is the king, trying to kill David. Saul really hates David, wants to assassinate him and I think he tries to kill him three or four times in this chapter. Uh, which already makes you wonder, you know, what can you learn <laughs> in a chapter in the Bible that talks all about murder? You know, what can you learn from that? aside from don't murder people. But I think there's something more because here God keeps stopping Saul, but Saul keeps wanting to kill David. So um, let me just read a bit and we'll come back to the passage. Just think, what is it that God wants us to learn from this passage? I think I'll start by praying first for God's help to understand this passage. Uh, Lord, for some reason, you know, uh, you brought this passage to mind yesterday and we looked at it together and thank you to the brother who explained this to me and gave me a starting uh, point for this passage but help me now to hear directly from you as I read this passage now from 1 Samuel 19. Um, pray as well that whatever you say I'll have that obedience to put into practice in my life as well. So I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So this is 1 Samuel chapter 19. Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. <laughs> so he's telling all his friends, I want to kill this guy named David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, greatly delighted in David. Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father seeks to kill you. Now therefore, please take care of yourself in the morning and live in a secret place and hide yourself. I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are and I will talk to my father about you and if I see anything, I will tell you." So David has a friend in this guy named Jonathan and Jonathan turns out to be Saul's son, which is very, very good because now Jonathan can try to help David up, you know, help keep him from being killed. So he says, I have a plan. I'm going to talk to my dad but I'm going to talk to my dad very close to you so you can hear everything that we are saying to one another. So that's the plan. Jonathan is going to try to convince his daddy, Saul, from killing his friend, David. So we pick up from verse 4. Jonathan spoke good of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Don't let the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you and because his works have been very good towards you. For he put his life in his hand and struck the Philistine and Yahweh or God worked a great victory for all Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. 
Why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swore, "As Yahweh lives, he shall not be put to death." So, yay! <laughs> you know, he convinced his father not to kill David, and so good luck. I mean, his father listened to his son, and so his friend was spared. But what I notice here is how Jonathan kept telling his dad, "You know, this will be a sin. <laughs> you know, don't sin against him." Verse uh, four. You know, um, why would you sin against innocent blood? Verse five, and so here, you know, he isn't just saying to his father, you know, this is a bad thing to do, but this is a sin, meaning this is something that God, that God doesn't want you to do. Now, when you try to talk about God with your parents, I'm not sure what kind of response you get. Usually, I think uh, if I talk even to my relatives about God, they might justifiably. Get upset with me, you know? Who are you to talk to me about God? But I think here it—it's really, really right for him to do so because he's not just saying this is a bad thing to do, but he's reminding his dad, "Hey, you know, you are the king. You're supposed to be like the one chosen by God to become the king. And so, for you to do this thing, even though you're powerful, you know, even though you can do it, you're the king. You'll be sinning not just against someone who is below you, but you'll be sinning against the God who chose you." And I think that had a kind of effect on his dad. It must have been quite convicting for your own son to remind you to be, be a Christian, <laughs> remind you not to sin against God. And I think this is just one of those examples whereby, you know, I think Jonathan really helped his friend, but also helped his father by reminding him what it means for him to submit his will before God. Anyway, let's move on. Verse seven, because actually, uh, I think um, it only worked momentarily. Yeah, because I think Saul then tried to kill David again. So verse seven, Jonathan called David, and Jonathan showed him all those things. Then Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as before. So kind of like a reconciler, you know, brought these two people back before. So really, really commendable the actions and the faith of Jonathan. Verse eight, there was war again. David went out. And fought with the Philistines and killed them with great slaughter, and they fled before him. Very King Tal. This guy, one guy. Obviously, David isn't alone. You know, he's leading an army, but it makes it seem as if all these people are running away from this this one guy. Very King Tal guy. Really amazing fighter, and you know, he's he's just you know saved the country again. But the result is verse nine. An evil spirit from Yahweh was on Saul, as he sat in his house with a spear in his hand, and David was playing with his hand. I think here it means playing the guitar. Saul sought to pin David to the wall with a spear, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence, and he stuck the spear <laughs> into the wall. <laughs> as in, he tried to kill David with a spear. Let me see if I can get, can get my spear. So Saul was—I don't know what he had with, was doing with his spear anyway—but David was playing his, his guitar, and somehow Saul suddenly wanted to kill David. And it says here, an evil spirit from God was on Yahweh, was on Saul. And Saul took this spear and then threw it. It missed David, but it was so powerful that it 
hit the wall and it's stuck to the wall. So it shows the strength and the kind of resolve that Saul had in wanting to kill David. Um, uh, it says here, David fled and escaped that night. Verse 11, Saul sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. Michal, David's wife, told him, saying, If you don't save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michal let David down through the window. He went away, fled, and escaped. Michal took the teraphim, I think it's like an idol, and laid it on the bed and put a pillow of goat's hair at its head and covered it with clothes. It's very comical. Imagine she's, you can imagine this in a movie, right? Someone is, puts like, you know, a, a doll or some kind of statue there and then puts hair on it, <laughs> trying to convince people that this is actually the person sleeping in the bed. But that's what his wife did, you know, trying to convince the attackers, the assassins, that actually David was still in bed. Verse 14, when Saul sent messengers to David, she said, you know, he is sick. Verse 15, Saul sent the messengers to see David, saying, Bring him to me in the bed, that I may kill him. When the messengers came in, behold, the teraphim, or the idol, or this doll or statue, was in the bed with the pillow of goat's hair at its head. <laughs> it's so silly, but you know, there it is in the Bible. She's trying to save her husband. Verse 17, Saul said to Michal, Why have you deceived me like this and let my enemy go so that he has escaped? Michal answered Saul, He said to me, Let me go. Why should I kill you? Ah, so it's very interesting. So she doesn't say, Oh, I love my husband. You know, he did, she didn't say like Jonathan, Oh, this would be a sin to kill my husband. But she says, Oh, my husband threatened me, which is a lie, of course. You know, she wanted to save him. But I think it shows that she was maybe even afraid of her father, that maybe she could see that he was so determined to kill David at this point of time. But already we see that twice, you know, uh, Saul tries to kill David, twice David is rescued by someone who is very close to Saul. And that shows that actually Saul is the only person in the room who wants to do this thing, do this sin. And everyone around Saul is almost trying to convince him not to do this, but he won't listen to it. He just won't see the reason. He doesn't see just how, so how horrible or how blind he is. But the people closest to him, his own son, his own daughter, can see it. And that says sometimes, you know, about the kind of sadness of sin, that it can be obvious to everyone around you, but you yourself, you can't see your own anger sometimes, you know, your own blindness. And even at the best attempts of the people around you, you know, you, you, you just won't hear. You, you just won't listen to reason. And, and I, I know that's true of myself, but I think uh, in a way that's true of all of us. You know, sin, uh, one of the things that it does is it kind of blinds us to, uh, to sin to such a point that sometimes we think we're doing the right thing when we're sinning as well. I'm not sure whether you feel that way, but I, I certainly uh, can identify with this. Anyway, that's a bit more, so let me finish up verse 18. Now David fled and escaped, so he's running away <laughs> for his life. You know, this, this king wants to kill him. He just saved the whole country. He's like, his most trusted warrior and his boss wants to kill him. It's so sad. So he, he runs away to Samuel the prophet. So verse 18, David fled and escaped and came to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. 
he and Samuel went and lived in Naioth. Don't know where that is. Some place. Uh, lived somewhere. Running away. Verse 19, Saul was told, Behold, David is at Naioth in Ramah. Oh, so he has the Google map where he knows exactly where he is. Obviously, he's going to hunt him down. Verse 20, Saul sent messengers to seize David. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing his head over them, God's spirit came on Saul's messengers and they also prophesied. <laughs> so they were like worshiping God. Prophesy means they were like speaking God's word. And these people who wanted to come and kill David ended up worshiping together with these other people who were speaking God's word. So what happens, verse 21, when Saul was told, he sent other messengers and they also prophesied. So it happened exactly again. Now, obviously, God is doing something at this point of time. You know, earlier on, it was David's friends, David's wife. But here, God himself is doing something very supernatural to stop these assassins and turn them into into worshippers. <laughs> I don't know what to make of this, but it's just really supernatural and just very, very strange. You know, he could have struck them down. He could have stopped them somehow, but he causes them to praise him as opposed to kill this guy named David, who is also God's chosen king, by the way. But, but we won't go into that. So, okay, all right. So that happened again. So verse 21, Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they also prophesied. So it happens again and again and again, three times. Verse 22, Then he also went to Ramah and came to the great well that is in Secu. And he asked, Where is Samuel and David? One said, Behold, they are at Naioth in Ramah. So he went there to Naioth in Ramah. Then God's spirit came on him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Naioth in Ramah. He also stripped off his clothes and he also prophesied before Samuel and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Therefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets? That's so strange, right? And that's, that, that, that's the end. That's, that's how the, the chapter ends. With Saul worshipping God. With Saul lying down almost helpless. He can't help it. It's not as if he says, oh wow, this song is so good. I love this song. I'm going to sing this song. No, he, he has no choice. God forces him to, to worship him, to praise him, to speak this words of prophecy until he's like rolling on the ground, you know, all day and all night. Is it the same? Rolling on the ground? Like, maybe, maybe so. But anyway, he, he was stripping off his robes and that kind of thing. So it was something involuntary, but obviously something that God did. And the question is, um, <laughs> what do you learn from this? It's so strange. It's so strange, right? You know, the, all the way through, this guy wants to kill David. But all the way through, you see that God has been stopping him from sinning against David. I think it shows three things. Number one, Saul is again blind to his own sin. No amount of intervention from his family, his friends, and even God will change his mind about doing this sin. And that's very, very scary when even God can't change your mind. But secondly, what do we see? We see that actually God is protecting David. Um, David is not even doing it. He doesn't like defend himself. Now, this is a guy that can fight off a whole army. You know, people run away from him and he can save a whole nation. But 
he isn't actually protecting himself from this one guy, just this one king. Instead, he's almost at the mercy of his friends, of his wife, you know, uh, this, this wife. And in the end, actually, what he's, he's actually at the mercy of God. You know, God is the only one who can protect David at the end of the day because the one who is hunting him down is the king. And that brings us to the third point. So remember the first, second, and, first and second point? The first point is that blindness of sin. And number two is that grace of salvation. But number three, I think, I think the main character in this passage is actually Saul. And I get this from the talk that I heard yesterday. And uh, this was again at a Bible college in Malaysia and I was doing a chapel service. And the guy who was preaching this passage was saying that, do you notice that the main character in this passage is actually the king? It's actually Saul. It's not David. It's not Jonathan. It's not Mike, uh, Michal. It's actually the, the king who is not acting in the way that the king should be. Well, put it the other way. The, the way he said that, you know, he gave some examples about how CEOs are admired uh, today in a company if they're decisive, you know, if they have vision, if they have initiative. And so here we see that Saul is all these things. You know, Saul is decisive. He wants to kill David. He has vision. <laughs> he, he sends people to kill David. He has initiative. He himself goes and kills David. And by the end of the day, he is using all these gifts. He's using all these initiatives against God. And this is really, really very sad because he has been chosen by God to be the king, but he's not acting as the kind of king that God has chosen. You know, I read this book 1 Samuel as a non-Christian many, many years ago. And you need to remember that the way the story is told, there was at one point earlier in the book, when Saul was first you know, chosen as king, when Saul first defeats all the enemies, when Saul was the hero. And you almost need to think of you know, uh, any Hollywood movie, any Netflix movie, whereby the main hero is the hero, and you go, oh, this is the, this is, this guy is so charismatic, you know, you're rooting for him. And then somewhere along the way, the hero becomes the villain. And, and then everyone, you, you're caught off shock, you know. So wait, I'm so invested in this hero, and suddenly you turn him into the bad guy. And that's actually what's happening here. Uh, if you don't, if you didn't know that there was the story of David and Goliath, you didn't know there was a King David, and you're just reading it sequentially in the book of 1 Samuel, you, you go, what happened? happened to this guy who was so promising, who was chosen by God, who still has all these gifts, you know, he's so decisive, he's so visionary, he, he has initiative, but now he's using all these gifts to almost turn against God's will. And friends, that is the case with David, and that actually I think is the case with us as well. You know, the times when we sin against God, it's not just the times when we are very weak, when we don't know what we're doing, or we somehow slip up. But actually, those are the very times when you use the things that God has given us, has blessed us with maybe your intellect, maybe your pay, you know, your money, maybe even you know, your position and your power. And you use those things precisely to go against God's will. You use those things precisely to harm God's people. And it's very, very sad because it does happen. I think it does happen um, even amongst you know, Christians but all the more so amongst those who are very gifted Christians. That somehow, somewhere along the line, we think, you know, God is giving me these things, I can use it as I want, I can even use it to go against God's will. And so it's a kind of warning, it's kind of warning to us as Christians, 
to say, hey, you know, don't take for granted the more that God gives us, actually the more responsible and the more submissive and the more reliant we need to be towards God. And thankfully, we see that in David. You know, this guy who's running away is actually the same guy who's chosen by God to be king. This guy who can defeat all these en enemies and all these armies is also the one who is delivered by his friends and by his humbling himself. He's, he's, he's actually weak when it comes to maybe not even going against the king. And we have just such a king, just such a servant, just such a person in the Lord Jesus Christ. We see his kingship on the cross. We see his strength in his weakness. We see his salvation in his death on the cross. Um, yeah, how's that? <laughs> kind of random. I still, I'm still thinking, you know, it's, it's such a rich passage. It's uh, as a narrative. It's interesting. You know, you can almost imagine this being teased out as a Netflix show. Uh, but it is also very eye-opening and scary because, you know, I have to think of all those times when I think I'm actually right and I'm actually almost on a mission. I have this vision to do things and I have to wonder, hey, maybe I'm doing this for my own self, doing this against God, doing this just for, you know, to harm other people. And God help me, you know, you know, you know God, please, you know, don't let me go down that path, but help me to see how Jesus was constantly, you know, submitting himself towards God and giving away his power and blessing other people through his goodness. Um, yeah, <laughs> let me pray. Heavenly Father, um, I think there's so much more for me to learn from this passage, but thank you already for teaching me from uh, the talk I heard yesterday and also from this study tonight. Uh, please help me and please keep me from sinning in this way and surround us with people who will help us to see not just their goodness, but also our own sin. Help us to constantly submit to you the more, the more we receive from your grace and your, through your gifts, and especially the more responsibility we have in serving um, other people in ministry and so on. I uh, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, thanks for joining me. This has been quite long, actually. How many minutes already? Uh, 22 minutes. Yeah, but um, yeah, kind of rusty. Um, just want to say that I'm kind of stuck here in Cambridge. Uh, just looked at the ticket prices to go back to Malaysia. I think uh, they are so exorbitant. I don't think I'll be able to go back for at least another couple of months. But uh, I guess I just have to make the most of my time here in Cambridge. If you're here in Cambridge, I would really love to meet up with you. If you have any suggestions what I could be doing here to gainfully use my time, I'll be very, very happy to hear them as well. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Take care and God bless. Bye.